thank you for joining us on The Skeptic Psychic, where we delve into ancient societies, the ghosts, the paranormal, UFOs, all looking at it from the perspective of the true believer and from the skeptic perspective. Joining me, my partner, my co-host, my sibling, Kimber Rodriguez. Myself, I am Richard Gregg. And again, let's look into being the skeptic psychic. Good evening. How you doing today? Everybody. Everybody wants to be happy today. Hello. <laughs> Richard's better. Yes. <laughs> He's better. <laughs> and uh, welcome again to the Skeptic Psychic. Of course, I am your uh, Richard. And with me always is my wonderful, sweet, courteous, intelligent, highly successful sister of mine, Kimber Rodriguez. And who do we have with us today? <laughs> I'm Shelly Priest, and I absolutely love graveyards and cemeteries, more cemeteries. But um, so we're here to talk about some of the symbols and stuff. And I hope to enlighten you and give you some stories. And it's All right. there's more to it than people think about. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, when uh, I think I think of uh, death and cemeteries, I think of History of the World Part One at the beginning, where the uh, one of the characters died, and uh, you have Arch Wells overhead saying, "And even back then, death was considered with a sense of awe." And oh, and then, and then they, they whipped the body the out of the cave. They right. just whipped yes. it out the cave. <laughs> so what is the difference between a cemetery and a graveyard? I mean, I always thought that it was the same thing, just a different name for it. No, a graveyard is always connected to a, a church. Oh, okay. And in, it would have been um, called a churchyard, uh, a burial ground. Um, it it ne They never would have used cemetery for that. And a cemetery uh, is a later... Uh, a later place for burial. And there are several different uh, places that are cemeteries. Um, there's a public cemetery, which is owned by the county or the state or the city. And you'll have military graveyards. Um, you'll have different religious graveyards. You have Catholic graveyards, you have Jewish graveyards. Um, you have those kind of graveyards. Um, You've got, I've got a bad cat. You've got, <laughs> um, you've got different lodges that will have um, their own cemeteries. The Odd Fellows, uh, the the Masons, the Masons will have their own cemeteries. Um, there are other kinds, and you kind of have to be aware of where you are if you're trying to find out more about a particular headstone. It's good to know what kind of cemetery you're in. Um, it'll help you if, if you're in a graveyard, mm -hmm. most of the symbols are going to be religious. Oh, okay. If you're in a cemetery, you may see the same symbol, but it could mean two different things. You know, it may, it means something different in a cemetery, or it could mean something different in, um, a Masonic, uh, lodges cemetery there. They may have an eye that means something totally different to, the eye of God. Right. So you can and get. So, 
Go I'm ahead. sorry to interrupt. So basically, when you're talking about a cemetery, you may see a Buddhist or Hindu tombstone right next to the basic Catholic or uh, Christian uh, burial stones as well. If it's a public cemetery, which would be owned and cared for by the community, um, anybody can get into a public cemetery. Um, uh, uh, with a lot of graveyards, you have to belong to that particular church or you have to belong to whatever lodge or you have to be a veteran to get into other uh, cemeteries. A public cemetery is the most common because it doesn't require you to have been any particular you know, persuasion or anything to get into it. So that's the most common. And that's where you'll find your biggest mix of different symbols is, is in the, the cemeteries, the yeah. public cemeteries. So <laughs> uh, kind of reminds me of that joke. Why are cemeteries so popular? People are dying to get in it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm always, I'm always warning people. Just remember, the dead always will outnumber the living. Yes, <laughs> it's better to be friends with them than, than uh, be enemies with the dead because they will outnumber you. Yes, but yes, there is a difference between a graveyard and a cemetery. And with cemetery, it also depends on what, who owns it and runs it. So. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about it or, you know, wonder about it, but there is a difference. It's just like a difference between a casket and a coffin. There, there are differences, even though people use the word, they interchange the word, there are differences. So. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Raymond says brains. <laughs> oh, geez. Stop, Raymond. <laughs> They pick on me a lot because they uh, they think I know too much. <laughs> not so. a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, I know growing up, I've always had an innate fear of cemeteries or graveyards. Um, I remember as a kid, whenever we would drive by one, I would, like, get down in the mm -hmm. seat and hide. Yeah. Um, always afraid that the spirits were going to get up and chase me. <laughs> and to this day, I still feel uncomfortable going to funerals or being in cemeteries or graveyards. Right. So it's common. A lot of people are like that. A lot of yeah. people well, are like my, my personal view of the series, I'm always afraid of stepping on people. I will walk around, <laughs> you know, give a six foot mm -hmm. birth, you know, going around them. It's like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> but sometimes that's hard because the way that the, they're so close together, sometimes it's hard to walk mm -hmm. through without actually stepping on a grave. Well, that's, so. that's, that's part of the difference between older cemeteries and what happened in the 1800s with the park cemeteries the the park style cemeteries um the older cemeteries you'll find the headstones lined right up just like soldiers right right in a row and right at their feet you'll see another row and there's really no place to wander there's it was and that was uh a lot of it was because of it was graveyards more than cemeteries and more and more people were packed into those graveyards and over time they ended up even burying them you know not 
always six feet, there would be someone there. There would be mm -hmm. someone at four feet. There would be someone at two feet. And they were getting very, 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 very crowded. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if um, <clears throat> a church or a graveyard wall would deteriorate and fall, there would be corpses that would come out of the graveyard and spill out. And um, that was, that was um, first of all, if they were contagious, it was dangerous to the living people and it was gross. And yeah, they, the plague. <laughs> yeah, or, or, you know, any of the other things that they, they had, you know, the smallpox, the measles, the typhoid, the, all of the and it just, it was gross and it was smelly mm -hmm. and vampires. If they got up and walked, at least they'd be getting out of the way and not right. staying there. But um, it was actually in France that they started trying to come up with a, an idea for this overcrowding problem. And they came up with a bigger type cemetery in a park-like setting that would have more space, wouldn't necessarily be connected to a cemetery. So you wouldn't have all of just those people just all piling up. You could space them out. And they included trees, shrubs, and plants with the idea that the roots of those plants would help keep the bodies in place. Interesting. So they created a big park like cemetery. And I'm, my French isn't good. I know the name of it in one of these books. Um, but other countries began looking at this and, and the cemetery became not only a cemetery, but a place where people were very interested in visiting and it became a tourist attraction. So mm -hmm. other countries with the same problems began looking at this park-like setting. And so they began and it was, it was actually in Massachusetts that started our first park-like cemetery. And they actually hired architects and builders to design it and to plan it and to build it. And it was a huge success. And it just began a park-like setting. So you can tell a bit of the age of a cemetery, even from the road, by looking at how it's set up. If it's row after row after row without plants of just people, 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 it's an older cemetery, a pioneer cemetery or something wow. like that. If you've got your park-like settings and you've got, you know, plenty of plants and plenty of trees, um, you've got an, uh, an older cemetery after the 1860s or around the 1860s on because that's how they had to change it. And it, it was for some disgusting reasons, but it worked out. Right. Yeah, I know our grandparents are, built, are buried in a military cemetery mm -hmm. and they're so overcrowded that now everyone has to be cremated to be buried there. Yeah. Yep. So. They're doing that in a lot of public cemeteries too. Um, and you can't have to have flat headstones mm -hmm. so that they can just mull right straight over. They don't, they don't allow where my son is buried. He's got a, a flat headstone. Mm -hmm. And um, now like where my mom and my grandparents are, you, you have to be cremated to do it. So you know, times yeah. they are a changing. This yeah. is true. <laughs> uh, well, do you know anything about cisterns? I don't I know anything about a cistern. Cisterns, um, uh, you know, where they have basically 
where they've taken the uh, the graves and dug them up and put all the the bones in, uh, you know, the skulls on one side, the rib cages, you know, just kind of built a whole. Uh, oh, rather like. The Paris Underground and and right. all of that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yes. like catacombs. Yes, yes, yes. So yep. kind of like almost like a shrine of bones, I yep. guess you could say. Yep. But it it that shows you how much of a problem they had with all of these bodies. When you see how many were there, and they still were crowded. So. They really needed to, um, you know, work on on doing something about it, and uh, it's it's odd. You wouldn't think a park like semi uh, setting would have helped, but it seems to have done done the thing. So I don't know. <laughs> but yes, I have the catacombs are crazy great. I would love to get there sometime to see them. Yes. Um, I, I know I there's saying cistern, and I was going to say, <laughs> I guess I've heard of some bodies being in a cistern, but that's usually frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are, I, I know there's several uh, in France as well as uh, Spain and Italy where they yep. just basically built a whole chapel around using uh, people's bones. Yes. And yes. teach people yeah. that, you know, what the other world was like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you oh, moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. You didn't move the bodies. <laughs> yes. There's actually um That's a, true. There's a neighborhood in Houston, Texas that they did this with. Um yeah. and yeah. they've had a lot of weird things happen in the homes and they found out that it was um I think oh, yeah. Poltergeist was partly based on it, and then they also did a TV yeah. movie called Grave Secrets that was based on it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it's and sad that the, really happens. And the people that lived there lost so much money because their houses just weren't weren't anything once they once it got out mm -hmm. that you know that that yes. had happened. So yeah, yeah, there there are stories. <laughs> there are stories. Yes. There's um, actually also a, I think it's either it's in Mexico or somewhere in South America where they have, um, it's like an underground cavern, but it's full of mummies. I don't know if you've heard about that one where everybody's like just set up there and you can go through yeah. almost like a museum and yeah. see the bodies laying yeah. out. Yeah, they're still, still dressed in their clothes. I've heard of that with, is that the one with the monks? Uh, no, this a, is another one because there's the one with the one? monks. Yeah, there's the one with the yep. monks, and then this one. Yeah, I think the one with the monks is in Europe, but this one's in Mexico, and they okay. have like all these okay. people they've passed. So yeah, and you could just go and look at them, and they're all still right there, and mm -hmm. I don't know, <laughs> laid out in their Sunday best, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, but yes, so. Getting on with cemeteries. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, Kimber, what else do you have? Let's see. Oh, some of the things that I think about. I the the character of Pip. Um, always oh. comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I first go in to a cemetery because uh, Pip was an orphan. What? Right. 
didn't he also meet the thief there in the graveyard uh, who uh, mm -hmm. basically uh, inherited, the one that he... inherited everything from him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he, he never saw his parents. He didn't even see any pictures of him. And he talks about be, becoming his picture of his parents was the headstone and the shapes of the letters on the headstone. And I kind of always think about that as it's very real in how we see it. All we know about these people is the shapes of the letters and the letters on their headstone, you know? So in a very real way, Pip was just making an observation that we all have made. So. Yes. yes. Uh, Great Expectations has always been my favorite Dickens story. So. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, Pip, he just, he always comes to mind when I enter a, into a cemetery and start to look at the headstones. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Still got a little bit of a cough going on. Your voice still sounds a little gravelly. Yeah. I mean, that's... maybe it always does, but from what I <laughs> know of you, it sounds gravelly. <laughs> no, just just since I've been sick. Yeah, my friends are like, you know, you sounded better when you were actually full blown flu than you sound like now. And I'm like, gee, right. thanks. <laughs> I always sound like Morticia, but I always look like Fester. <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, uh, it's basically, I always thought I'd look like Gomez, but it uh, turns out I might be just uh, uh, Pugsley. <laughs> Pugsley had a good word that ethnic work Well, with a yeah. sister that wants to kill him all the time, you know, come on. He's got a <laughs> Yes. I understand that feeling. I needed to kill my brother. Right. <laughs> so what are, cause I know, um, what are the laws pertain as far as like, if somebody dies, do they have to be buried in a cemetery or can they be buried on your own property or like, how does they, that work these you days? You can, you can have a family plot and you can have family members buried. You have to get your permits and, and you know the variances and all of that to get it done but it is still possible to do today and it is becoming because cremation is on the rise mm -hmm. it is becoming more common for just non-burials people just have their ashes put somewhere um even scattered on the ground and, and like that so um we've got a lot of different alternatives. We're also finding that there are more and more environmentally friendly burials mm -hmm. and they make sure that um, they're in a, not in a, an urn that, you know, won't decompose. They decompose and then they become part of a plant, which is mm -hmm. my personal favorite. That's right. That's kind of what I've let the family know, you know, and then when yeah. I'm a tree, come over and I'll drop a limb on you or something. <laughs> Right. I've, I've thought of the same thing, but the reason what? I'm asking is um, I remember growing up in the eighties and right behind my friend's house was a field. And at the edge of the field, like like where her fence would be, there was a, a tombstone yeah. of a child. And I always thought that was so odd that, you know, there was just that yeah. one person buried there and right yeah. almost in her backyard. And 
So I was like, yeah. can they even oh. do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. You have you have to get nowadays you have to get permission. Now I'm sure back, you know, when there were farms and things like that. Mm -hmm towns and cities didn't get into the people's businesses as much. And you, you know, you could do something like that. People back then died at home more. You don't, you very rarely hear of somebody dying at home now, right. but it, it was uh, a family dealing. It, they dealt with the person dying. They dealt with them when they died and they dealt with the body afterwards. Um, it wasn't like it is today where we're not around the dead we don't deal with once they're dead, where do, what do we do? They, it's all taken care of for us. Back then it was, it was not that way. So interesting. <laughs> um, and then about the cremation and the scattering, I had heard that it was illegal to scatter ashes in the wind. Is that correct? It's, it's even though the ashes don't contain anything contagious, they they say that it's not good for the air it's not and it's, it's for places like disney world disneyland where there's a lot of people going honestly i wouldn't want to be knee deep in uncle ned's ashes <laughs> right. trying to get on a ride you know so um in a very public place yeah and those are also privately owned Right. Really, they're corporations. So, um, you know, that wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't want someone to come and dump something on on my lawn. Right. So, um, but I know that you can take ashes out into, um, like we have the the national parks, and uh, a lot of people choose to do that. And I kind of like that idea, especially if they have the idea of planting a tree mm, with that means. person. Our mother um, would love, uh, love for her, us to give her a Viking funeral. No. <laughs> on a boat right out there to the uh, middle of the water and shoot the flaming arrows out there for her. No, that's not what she wants. She, she, told me. she told me that she's always wanted to travel the world and never had a chance to, so she wants her ashes scattered in the wind so she can so that um, she can travel, was what yeah, she, told she, she told me. She wanted a Viking funeral, just put... Uh, put her out to sea and just set the arrows aflame and send them out to her. <laughs> and we're all going to be wearing the weird uh, uh, horn hats and uh, long beards. And have the mead. Have the mead. <laughs> Our axes oh out of hand. And... To have a son like you, I can, I understand her reasoning. I, think. <laughs> I get it. I get it, Richard. <laughs> She actually would love to have her funeral. Would, uh, she Hi, wants Adam. to have uh, balloons and uh, clowns and uh, kind of a carnival setting so that way the nobody celebration. is sad. Right. A celebration of life. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. That, um, it used to be families were responsible for the upkeep of their own pl family plots, even in public cemeteries. And uh, it used to be that it was like a celebration in that families would all get together. They called it Decoration Day. Families would all get together. They'd pack picnics and they would go and they would clean the, their area. But everybody was cleaning their family areas. And it was a social gathering. And they, I know I've read about 
uh, carriage races that they've had during this, this, you know, decoration day. Um, the kids had games that they would play. Um, I actually had heard of certain festivals being held at the same time. And it was kind of a, a get together to honor the social community as well as honoring the dead and keeping them uh, in, in the remembrances. There were often prayer meetings there also. Um, and for me, that really ties in with uh, Day of the Dead, the Mexican um, the way that they celebrate. Yes. Hmm? The Dia de, la, de los Muertes, the yes. Day of the Dead. Yes. Yes. I, I absolutely love, love, love the way that, that they handle that and the way that they teach their children and the way that they have the continuity of the elders with today's people, with tomorrow's people. It, it's all together and it's a celebration. There is not the fear. There's not the loathing of a dead person. Mm -hmm. it's, it's joyous. Um, well, up until my father-in-law moved, uh, he would actually go out to the cemetery and uh, clean up his... Uh, departed wives, as well as uh, my brother-in-law's uh, gravesite, made sure they had grass, that sort of thing, mow it, that, you know, water, as you mm -hmm. know, all that jazz, and he moved yeah. away, and so you need to actually uh, go up there and check up, you know. Right, check up on it, and that's check how it used to be. It was during World War II um, that communities, people started moving they became very mobile during World War II. And it became impossible for families to return to their hometowns to start taking care of the cemeteries. And that's when they started um, offering, and now it's mandatory, the perpetual care. Um, and it's included in the burial price. And uh, that came about in World War World War II um, when everybody was, was very mobile and it just wasn't feasible for families to to come back and clean. So it's it's a fairly new thing. So I can see why a family member would still go back and, you know, look at them. So yeah. <laughs> I know um, I think it's in Peru. They have a tradition where once a year they dig up their dead and dress them and clothing and, you know, take them out and spend the day with them. and. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. And in Louisiana, you get what a year and a day and then they could put another body in with you, I think, because uh, because of the, the way that they are buried there. Uh, mm. Decomposition is so much faster, but it has to be because of the water levels. Right. Uh, you know, uh, there. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people get opened up and looked at. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting place because they're actually, since they're below sea level, they can't bury their dead under the ground. Right. Right. So we back have the, above, the above ground. Um, I think that I, I don't think I would enjoy that type of cemetery as much as, as the ones we have around here. <laughs> yeah, I've actually so. heard they're pretty interesting. Um, I have a friend, well, my best friend who passed away, she had been to New Orleans <laughs> and visited the, um, the very famous cemetery there. And she said it was actually pretty interesting to see the way that it was set up and the way the 
Oh, did she visit? Uh, who was that? Madame La Madame Larue, or who is oh. Marie Laveau? There Marie you go. Laveau. Thank yes. you. <laughs> yes, I agree with oh. Autumn. I wonder if it smells. It smells. <laughs> Which one? I mean, after a year and they're just underground, decomposition may not even have started. Mm -hmm. in some cases, which is a whole nother show because that would go into the whole vampire thing. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> if they weren't decomposing, yeah. that was that was a whole different issue for people. Yeah, um, I, I know they say now because of the fact of the embalming and we use so many preservatives on our skin and stuff that there have been bodies that they've dug up like five years down the road yeah. and they're yeah. still not fully decomposed. Yeah. So yeah, so you're in a day in the tomb in in Louisiana that I that I know of. So <laughs> um, plus they have um, they put you're in a lead lined coffin. You've got the cement all around you. There's no way for the worms to get in. You're gonna sit there in your own juices, and I'm just mm -hmm. like, no. After three days, I can't stand the way I smell. How is this gonna work? You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you think about it, it's, so I, you know, the people that dig up the dead, I'm sure they don't have that kind of, those kind of barriers mm -hmm. to have to get through. So you're going to see more decomposition in those right. bodies just because there is more connection to the earth and there, and more connection to the changes in weather. And so decomposition can take a more natural course. Right. Yeah. It reminds <laughs> me of when they had Hurricane Katrina and, the flooding actually um, brought up a lot of those Lots caskets. Of oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, yeah, that I, that was pretty heartbreaking. That, yeah, pretty, pretty, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So, um, I another thing that I wanted to say about the garden type cemeteries, um, 1861, I really want to touch on this because that is a very, very important year for cemeteries okay. because, um, in America, and this is, this is both sides of the Atlantic America. We had the civil war going and, um, by the end of the civil war, there was what 620,000, soldiers dead that's not civilians that's the soldiers yeah. so it was very rare to find a person that didn't have a family member or a friend or somebody that they knew that had died so death was um very prevalent and we were a nation in mourning and in 1861 people really were beginning to realize this is not going to be a fast war we're, we're going to have to be in this for a little while longer than we thought at the same time across in england albert queen victoria's husband died in december of 1861 and she she fell into mourning deep 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 mourning and the british subjects all followed suit they tended to follow the royal family if they did something the whole group would follow them mm -hmm. um and because she she because she had some issues mentally she enjoyed the morning i'm going to say it this is my opinion but i believe she really got into the whole morning thing she she lived it it became who she was and um 
So mourning became very popular over there. There were there were towns where you could not find black material. It was sold up as soon as it was brought into a store. People were snapping up all of the black material. Mourning jewelry became a thing. Um, any kind of memento from a dead person became a thing. Artwork, literature, all of it romanticized and talked about mourning and death and grieving. And so we had on both sides of the Atlantic, people grieving terribly. And they they had these, these parks that now people could wander through and walk through and look at and headstones started changing. Uh, they became less, less, um, less strict and less grim in saying, um, you know, remember you must die, which was popular, a popular epitaph on a great many of the pre-Civil War and back headstones or, um, um, well, it started, here are the remains of, here lies in peace, um, mm -hmm. here is the dear, dearly departed, gone but not forgotten. These kind of things were taking the place of the more grim uh, behave or you'll mm -hmm. go to hell kind of sayings. Um, and they also started replacing um, skull and crossbones on these. And the faces became at first just a generic angel with wings type face. Mm -hmm. And then later on, as you got through the Civil War, then they became children faces with wings. So it, they softened the things on the headstones and they became more and more um, for people friendly instead of either you were a very pious person and we're going to put that on there and show how pious you were and how great you were, or we're going to remind people that are looking at this, you know, you're soon to be here and have you leave feeling kind of who this is a great, a great thing. And uh, 1861 really was the year when you see a change in the headstones, a change in the shape of the headstones. And you also started seeing uh, manufactured headstones. Uh, granite was, was the popular headstone after that. Whereas before that, a lot of times it was just anything that was around limestone and things like that. And after weathering, you couldn't read what was on them very mm -hmm. well. Um, but they, the markers became more permanent. They became softer looking. They changed shape. You wouldn't see the rounded ones so much anymore because that, again, was meant as a religious thing. That was to look like the Ten Commandments uh, that Moses really? tablets that he had. Uh, then you started seeing more of the flat types, or you would see the pillar, the big pillar types. Mm -hmm. um, and there were more epitaphs. Before they they didn't have, because the gravestones weren't manufactured, they were oftentimes made by someone. And the lettering could be hard to do and the space was limited, and often the stone wasn't the greatest to put something on it. After 1861, then you get your kind of poems that could be put there. Um, uh, the Empty Chair is a poem, was very, very popular, and everybody had to have the empty chair put on it. 
their headstones. So as you're looking at the at the different headstones, you can kind of almost tell the dates also by the way the headstones look. If you're not sure if you're in an old cemetery from way back or a newer one, sometimes just the shapes of the headstones will tell you as well as the symbols and the pictures will tell you uh, kind of what, what you're looking at. The newer ones are a softer look, um, friendlier. The older, older ones, they'll just tell you where it is and what it is and you better not do it. <laughs> so. right. Yes, Autumn's asking about if some of them were made out of wood as well. Um, yes, yes. yes. Um, but unfortunately they didn't, they didn't last. The earliest, early, early, earliest, would be a stack of stones, just a pile of stones to mark where someone was buried. And then, of course, they began the, the wooden stones, and they also just used, you know, like I said, the local stones. Mm -hmm. um, it was up to what the family could afford, um, what the situation was that the person died in, because a lot of the wooden um, crosses were by, for men that were in at war in battle mm -hmm. and a lot of times they would be buried alongside of a road and so a, a lot of times you would see on these wooden crosses it would say pause and that was to get you to pause because there were there were burials right there mm -hmm. um but yeah they had the, but they didn't they didn't last of course so right uh, yes. yeah yeah, to keep wildlife from digging them up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Mom, don't ignore my question. <laughs> yes. Yes, your bedtime daughter, Autumn. <laughs> yes, wasn't um, our grandfather's favorite hymn, The Old Rugged Cross? Mm, mm -hmm. That was uh, uh, Papa Jim's. Pop, uh, Papa Greg's was... Uh, uh, I think I remember Andy. him telling me it was the uh, the old rugged cross. Uh, I remember him telling me it was Andy. No, that was just a joke he told okay. about Andy. <laughs> we got you confused, don't we? Is is a poem or is a, a it's song? It's a song. Or? It's a song. Um, oh. Basically, uh, he he tells a joke about how because there's this this hymn about talking about how he walked with you and he talks with oh, you and so he I was come like to the river yeah. i come to yeah. the river <laughs> and, he, and like, he walks with walks me and he me talks and he with me with he tells me i am his own see that's what yes. it is so my yeah. grandfather jokes that growing up he always wondered who andy was <laughs> And that song we we sang at my Graham's um, get together and uh, at my grandpa's too. So <laughs> I guess we should wonder who Andy was, right? <laughs> so, oh, it's it's the uh, it's actually the what the uh, uh, what the name of God is because he you all uh, Andy walks with me and he talks with me. <laughs> so that's me I'm his own. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you never quite know where this conversation is going to go, do you? Right. Every week? <laughs> yes, we, I blame it on ADD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always going off on tangents yeah. with the ADD. 
right? Yeah, I was going to say a Facebook user. I come to the garden alone. Yep. Uh, Autumn, yes, it's past my bedtime, but her dog had to go out. And then I saw the fudge she made. She made a ton of fudge. Oh, okay. um, Anubis. Yeah, Anubis is the face of the jackal. He dug up graves, so he wore a mask to protect the graves. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> now they can put the person's favorite expression. Yes. Now, and especially because they have the laser um, engraving, you they there you could put any picture. You could put colored pictures in. You can put anything in, and um. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> um, and I've heard there some people, a lot of people actually, are putting cell phones in with the dead, and Ooh. and I I actually was just reading about uh, headstones. Now <laughs> they're saying they're starting to read like LinkedIn, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what LinkedIn is, but okay. I'm guessing it's something technical. It's, it's a social media yeah. for business people. Oh, so okay. It's more like Facebook, but it's more like business oriented. So they have like their resumes on there. And okay. Well, so. that's, they're saying that headstones now are starting to look more like that. So I okay. guess that's kind of where it's going to. People are putting that in. So. Yes. <laughs> You're like Bob. Bob worked for 12 years as a secretary. He has yeah. a degree. <laughs> Yeah, there was uh, a grave site that at my uh, where my uh, brother-in-law's buried, where it's basically somebody installed Big Willie Styles, Will Smith CD in the head uh, into the headstone. So you could play, yeah, yeah. yeah there, are, I've heard of headstones where they play messages from the dad. You know, the people they actually yeah. record themselves, and then you can play it in the headstones, and um, and, that, and it sounds weird, but. This other yeah. grave, uh, graves uh, cemetery I went to because it's not a gra uh, gravesite is basically uh, <laughs> I've seen it in Ripley's and I've actually seen it face to face. Uh, it's a the the uh, great uh, the tombstone reads deep and uh, are uh, is it is it deep enough? Is it deep enough? <laughs> mm -hmm. <Okay>. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Um sorry i had a thought in my brain oh okay speaking of the messages from the the dead i was reading something yesterday that alexa for amazon is coming out with this new feature where the voice can be in the voice of a of a loved one that's passed mm -hmm. i'm like that's a little too creepy yeah for me. <laughs> yeah yeah a Stephen King story where they put the cell phone of the guy who passed in the coffin and then he could talk to him. Yeah. I think that's the idea of them putting the cell phones in so that they can communicate with them. But yeah, I've never owned a cell phone, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll just yeah. talk to the worms. <laughs> my, um, my, after my dad passed, my stepmom had to get rid of her cell phone because um, every night around the time that he passed, the phone would ring and it would say my dad's number and she'd answer and it would be nothing but static. And it freaked her out so bad that she was like, uh, -uh I'm not having this anymore. So she disconnected her cell phone. Mm, 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 mm. I've heard stories of that, that one train crash, I think it was and the whole family. There were like 47 calls from this guy's number 
And he was one of the ones killed instantly in the train crash. He couldn't have called any of them. I but there, there were like 47. And it was to different family members. Yes. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember hearing about that, too, with the Twin Towers, somebody on the plane yes. as well. Yes. And yeah. it was interesting because on the plane, you, know, you have to turn your phone off because you are put it in airplane mode, but yet this, they were getting calls getting from calls. the guy yeah. after the plane had crashed. So I don't think the supernatural follows all the rules. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think they're beyond having to follow the rules. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. So, so. Okay. Are we well, going to get back? Yes, back on topic. <laughs> back on topic, <laughs> topic a little bit. I wrote up a ton of stuff for yes. Kimbra, so I was going to say, we got to use some of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. So should we go into the different symbolisms on the Yeah, yeah. That'll that work. A lot of great symbolism. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I've got got it all written up here for you with some of the most common ones, which for me would have to start off with a dove. You see a dove everywhere, and of course it means innocence and purity, and um, it's often used, you know, for children. Um, but I think the dove is is the most the most common of them all. Um, if you see a plant on a headstone, it's important to look at what the plant is. If it's a bud, if it has a broken stem, if it's broken in half, if it isn't fully grown, that'll tell you there's a child there, uh, someone whose life was definitely cut short. If it's in full bloom, especially a rose, it's somebody who died probably in their 20s, which would have been considered right at the height of their life and uh, they passed away. So you have to kind of look at that. Um, trying to think some other big ones. Hands. Hands are interesting on headstones because uh, you really have to look at the clothes they're wearing. That's the first thing you have to look at when you look at hands. Um, if they're, I'm going to try to do a hand shape, but it's going to be backwards because, but um, you have to look at what they've got on. And if one is definitely a male, and one looks like a female, it's usually a married couple. If it's both male, they're probably brothers of the same fraternities. Uh, or if you're in a graveyard, it's most likely going to be God taking the hand of, of the deceased up to heaven. And that's also if you see a hand pointing down. <laughs> it doesn't mean that's where they're going. <laughs> it's it's God coming down and, and, you know, taking the deceased. And because it's pointing down, it could also mean an accident. This, this deceased suffered an accident because it's an abrupt, you know, almost like a lightning thing. It's abrupt. It's coming down and it's, you know, picking you out. So it probably was an accident or something very fast for the death. If they're pointing down. And of course, if they're pointing up, it's a pious thing. They were a good person and they're headed to heaven and, and uh, everybody knows. Um, if they've got one finger pointed out in the handshake, they're Masonic. And if the wife was also Masonic and they do the handshake, 
they each do it like this. And if they do it correctly, like, like <laughs> I can't, it will look like the, the symbol in the Masonic symbol. Um, and so it depends on what the hands are doing and, and what they look like um, to tell you more of, of who they are and what they are. Um, for animals, lambs are probably the, the, biggest animal that you'll see on a lot of graves. To, uh, and that's mostly for children. It's the innocence, of course, again. Um, it also has a great um, sim symbolic um, meaning with Jesus because uh, he was called the Lamb of God mm -hmm. and he was also a, a shepherd. He was considered, uh, you know, herding our, the flock and the shepherd. So a lamb was quite oftentimes depicted on a lot of um, different headstones. So those are some of the more common. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. <laughs> Excuse me. Got me at a disadvantage no. after I typed it all up. I guess I let it all go. What did I say? What did I say? So we got the flora, which you went through the flowers. Yeah, some of the different flowers. Um, there are so many flowers. In the Victorian era, flowers had a language all of their own. And that went with romance. It went with families. It went anything. You could have a flower or a plant for just about anything you were doing, anything you were experiencing. And that went into graveyards. And so really, you wouldn't have time to go through every single type of flower that you might, might see. The acanthus flower is probably the most prevalent. And that goes all the way back to the Corinthian columns. You'll see acanthus flowers or plants up on the, the columns. So that was a, a very common um, feature in columns, in walls. So it was a carryover onto headstones. So you'll see a lot of acanthus flowers and they're pretty, they're pretty to look at. Um, Lily of the Valley, that is, you'll see that more in religious uh, graveyards because that's uh, the Virgin Mary is associated with the Lily of the Valley. Uh, her tears supposedly fell and the first Lily of the Valley grew from her tears. Um, trying to think of some other plants that you might see a lot. Roses, of course, that's, right. and again, you have to look at the type of rose to try to figure out, it'll help you figure out the age of of yeah. the person. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, tulips. Tulips, you see them and they're, but they're not as, not as prevalent as you would think they would be. Um, you do, you do see them, but not very often. And you never see a sunflower. Uh, in all the books that I have read, I've never had a person talk about, they've talked about not ever seeing one but not that they've ever been able to find uh, a sunflower. So, I'm wondering if because sunflowers are more like, you know, about happiness and life and joy, and you don't really think yeah. of, of happiness and joy when someone passes sadly. Right, right. So. But I, I'm surprised the Victorians didn't come up with something. Right. <laughs> they really got into their to their different uh, ideas of of what these flowers and plants all meant. So, but um, yeah, I'm trying to see. Let me see what else I have here because I had a whole bunch of stuff written. What what should we talk about, guys? 
Um, well, well, I, I do. I do have some questions, if you don't mind. <laughs> I'll try to come up with an answer if I can. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is uh, the point of basically? Uh, I went uh, nudity when it comes ah. uh, on great on uh, statues and that sort of thing. And, yeah. Uh, Nudity oh. had nudity had a couple of different uh, ideas behind it um, because people you're born nude. Um, it it could be innocence and purity uh, because you're not allowed to take any worldly goods with you to the afterlife. It could be a show of your willingness to go to the afterlife, your willingness to put aside all of your worldly goods to be in heaven and then the other way that they thought of it of course was you know lust and things like that and you won't see that that's my husband walking around there without his shirt on <laughs> who just turned on the <laughs> it could be the candles making it crazy in here but um the nudity that you'll see in cemeteries oftentimes is going to be um the the worldly goods that you're leaving behind or the innocence of a newborn baby so i got yeah. bot. oh yeah that's <laughs> yeah, that bot. yeah there's yeah. a bot well i know that um in the jewish faith i know that they believe we go we go out of this world the one way we come in so i know that yeah. they bury their their uh the dead nude in yeah. a plain white yeah. uh wooden box no symbols yeah. or anything like yeah. that so that well, makes uh, they sense. also uh they also uh put a coin on top of the uh right right uh if it's like yeah. if it's a penny you uh you know of the person if it's a uh, a nickel you're mm -hmm. uh i think it goes all the way up to uh a uh a dollar coin where you've actually are part yeah. of the family you're are you what the person's best friend uh, everybody, uh, although uh, Jack Benny, everybody mm. puts a penny on his gravestone because of his uh, stingy, uh, his rumored yep. stinginess, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've also heard, I've also seen where they put rocks on their mm -hmm. tombstones. And yep. I've always wondered, like, what that symbolizes or why they put a rock on there. A, a rock oftentimes is a religious symbol, and it refers to... Um, Rachel's grave from the Bible because her husband wanted to build a pillar at her burial site. And so the rocks represent that of the Bible building, building a pillar at the burial site. Uh, I, I'm thinking to heaven, but I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it, it deals with Rachel. means, uh, Rachel's grave as well as uh, building of the uh, uh, Solomon's temple, rebuilding it. Oh, okay. So it, it, it refers, yeah, it would be a temple, a, a symbol of building. A rock would be a symbol of building. Um, the coins, um, I've heard that with military too, that the coins mean something. If, if you know the person you served with them in the regiment or whatever, it's a different coin, a quarter or something. If you're, you know, paying your respects, it's a different coin um, with the coins. Now, Interestingly enough, those are not considered grave decorations. Those are called grave goods. And things that 
pertain to that person's life or specifically deal with that person would be considered grave goods on the grave. And Jewish people don't care to put grave goods on their graves except for the coins. And um, it's kind of a way that you could tell if it's a Jewish um, headstone also because you won't find any grave goods. There's there's no um, symbols. There's no crosses. There's no um, bunny rabbit statues. There's no, they don't do any of that that um, you might find on other graves. Um, they don't care to, they don't care to do that. So I, I think that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yes. I know they're very, um, like I said, very, very much about going into this world the way we are going out of this world, the way we came in. Yeah. And, yeah. You can't take it with you. Right. You can't take it with you. So, so but I'm not going quietly either. <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> Was the uh the old cartoon? I, uh, if I can't uh, if I can't take it with me, then I ain't going. <laughs> there it is, there it is. But you can't, you can't. So <laughs> no. Um, but a lot of people don't think about the different different things that you can see and and different ways of finding out information about these people. And if you go back, if you can't even always tell by the name in a family plot who the age of the the children because back in that time uh, back i'm talking back in the 1860s and like that families were bigger and the firstborn son was not named after its father the firstborn there's in fact it's in i think it's in this book it has a whole listing of they they had a regular system. The firstborn son would have been born would have been named after his grandfather paternal grandfather, and then the secondborn son would have been named after the maternal grandfather, and then the third son would have been named after the father. So a lot of times, yeah, I, for the yeah the firstborn is the father's father, second is the mother's father. Third is the father, which would be the junior. The fourth son would be the father's oldest brother. And the fifth son would be the mother's oldest brother. Right. So basically, then, I, I, I would like to interject, if you don't mind. Uh, in our family, my, uh, my uncle is named after uh, my father. Yeah. Uh, like our uh, grandfather, our great, our great, great grandfather, grandfather. Who, yeah. who, and my father is the only one different. On the other side of it, my brother is named slightly after my uh, my dad. I'm named slightly after my uh, great grandfather, who uh, who is also named after uh, and also named after my mother. Yeah, they it stayed within the family, and they followed. My right. my father was named after his uncle. Yeah. So i I had an uncle, a great uncle Parker, and then my father Parker. So yeah. right. well, we yeah. had um our great grandfather was named Cecil. Then his son was named Cecil, and then his son was named Cecil, and then <laughs> my um. My oh. uncle, which was my grandmother's son, my great grandfather's daughter, firstborn, was named Cecil. 
My dad and my oldest brother were both named Jim. On my mom's side, my grandfather's name was Richard. My mother's name was Dixie, which is the female version of Richard. And then he was named Richard. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. So. You guys are rule breakers. That's what y'all yep. are. Right? <laughs> We're the rebels. Yes, we do Taco Mondays. <laughs> yes. And then I was named after my dad's cousin, first cousin. So. That's cool. All of my, our names kind of kept in the family. Yeah. Raymond. Raymond was the third. Yeah. Yeah. Raymond. Raymond was the third. His dad was uh, Raymond Jr. And then his grandpa was Raymond Sr. So, but back in the day they followed and this, and when you take these field books with you, you, you can actually turn to a lot of these and it'll help you figure out on the older stones. Okay. What, where does this person come in the children? And it'll, cause it tells you for the girls too. They even had the first daughter would have been the mother's mother, second daughter, the father's mother, third daughter, the mother, fourth daughter, the mother's oldest sister, fifth daughter, the father's oldest sister. So they, they uh, had a regular pecking order that this this name is already predetermined and this is who they're going to be. So if you see one that has the same name as the father, that's actually the third son. That's that's not going to be, you know, the very first son. That's actually the third son. And that's in a lot of the older cemeteries. But it's kind of something interesting that, that um, interesting, yeah. you'll, you, you have to think about when you're trying to figure out the family and where they're all, you know, where they are in the family tree. So... So they didn't waste time coming up with baby names. It was everybody had a predetermined name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless they were rule breakers like you. Yeah, because so. <laughs> yeah. so. yeah, I, I made sure to um, name Autumn, you know, not after anybody in the family. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we, we and that's kind of how it is now. People are not naming after family members so much they'll reach back sometimes and mm -hmm. and they'll use it a middle name you know as a family name um something like we have reeve is a family name on my mom's side the darling side mm -hmm. and um my sister's oldest son his middle name is reeve oh, okay. so sometimes they'll you know people will reach back now but you don't yeah. have the strict rules like they had then for naming mm -hmm. of their children you know, so mm, yes. mm, 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 mm. Yes. <laughs> I was looking through like the some of the other symbols, such as the book and the candle, yeah, um, and the chains. Yep, the chains are interesting because they could be um, if if um, the link is broken, it means that um, the family member was probably a matriarch or a patriarch of the family, and they it breaks the family apart. Um, if there's three links in the chain, especially if they have letters in the middle, that's a fraternity um, with the with the, the the links. It's a brotherhood of some sort. Um, if it's just three links and you're in a graveyard or around religious, you know, things, it could also mean the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So um, that it does have the the chains do have several different. Um, different meanings depending on where you are again you know you have yeah. to look around what where you are to understand some of them yes. so and the hearts um 
there's a lot of different um, meanings for uh, hearts. And if you go into a Catholic cemetery, there's even more. <laughs> there's all kinds of, of different hearts. There's flaming hearts, um, ivy colored hearts. Uh, the bleeding heart is um, suffering, torment. Flaming heart is religious zeal. Um, <laughs> a heart in the hand. Um, it's a, or a pair of hands, it's love and piety, um, a heart covered with ivy, that's friendship, faithfulness. Um, what if it's a lonely heart? Is that part of the club band? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry. Do you have a lonely heart? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, I mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh so. my gosh. But there's there's a lot of different symbols that you can come across. Um, everything. Snakes, ships, um, spider webs, which I thought was really cool. You can find spider webs and <laughs> it symbolizes human frailty. Um uh, like, okay, I get it. Okay. <laughs> and see yeah. sea now seashells, they, they're kind of cool because they have been found as grave decorations as far back as prehistoric uh, graves. So people have been putting seashells onto graves right back, it predates the Egyptian burials. Um, so that's probably the longest and you know most continued of everything is putting seashells either as a decoration or you know as grave goods on, on uh, And what does the seashell represent? Is it just something pretty or? It depends on kind of where you are. If you're like me on, on the East Coast, it probably is, has something, it's a mariner's kind of thing. And it, it probably has something to do with, with the ocean. But it also has, it also has a purity um, connection. And it also, believe it or not, it also has longevity. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, and that's, oh, that's another thing. If, if you see a, a sheath of wheat and it's in a bundle, you'll see that uh, it means a long life lived to its fullest. And you'll see that on headstones of people that are usually about 70 years old or older. That was reserved for them. If you see just a stalk or two of wheat, it could be a Ukrainian that's buried there because that that's one of their symbols for a Ukrainian. But if you see that 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 sheath of wheat, you know you're looking at somebody that has lived <laughs> yes. yeah, for a long time. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they've they've lived, which is kind of nice to see when you see so many um, children in the cemeteries, you know, and um, mm -hmm. and you see the same year popping up. You know, around here, 1917, mm. um, we had a, a, a horrible flu influenza mm. that went around, and it was very deadly. And you see a lot of 1917s on a lot of our headstones around here, and, and it's sad. You yeah. know. Was that the, the Spanish influenza? or? Yep. Yeah. And you'll see, I know on, I, even I've shared a few, the pictures of the people wearing the masks back then mm -hmm. and, and, you know, taking the precautions that, that we're finding we were taking today, you know, nowadays. Right. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I so. thought the same thing when I when the whole thing with the COVID came out and people were like, you know, with the masks and everything. It, it reminded me back of the Spanish influenza and everybody yeah. with their masks. And yeah, yeah. And that that was horrible because people when they were coughing, they would just spew blood. Mm -hmm. And it, I, it, I read a thing about New York City and the amount of blood on the sidewalks. Oh, my God. And and it's like, I, you know, you don't think about these kind of things. And then when you hear about it, you're like, how did people we thought we had it bad for COVID. Mm -hmm. And then you read about this and you, you look at what other people went through and, and got stronger from exactly living through this things like this. So, um. You know, learning about the past and and finding out is is wonderful. And you know, the the community of a graveyard or a cemetery, their stories are fascinating. They really are. They they um, they'll tell you a lot. And once you learn how to read those symbols, and once you you understand where you are and what you're looking at, you know, those stories you could just build on and build on and and learn so very much. And it's enjoyable. It really is. Yes. So, and before we leave, yes, before we yes. leave, I have several cemetery books, <laughs> but my two favorite and a lot of the information that I passed on to Kimberly came from Kimbra. these. Two. Kim, Kimbra, she signed it. She signed her name, Kim. Yes, uh -huh. I, I usually go by Kim, but it, yes. And, and I'm like, Kim, where did she get that from? <laughs> it's Kimbra, dang it, it's Kimbra. Yeah. <laughs> But this book, I would recommend to anybody that wants to go looking at uh, cemeteries, carry it with you. Let me get it right where you can see it. Stories in Stone. And I love his name. It's Douglas Keister. Okay. <laughs> I love his name. I got this yeah. on Amazon. And it's, it's full of pictures. It has a wonderful glossary in the back. So if you see something, you can try to look it up and see if he can tell you. He's got lots of very clear pictures, if I can get it there, so you can see all the different kinds of and stories that go along with it so you'll understand. Um, it's a wonderful field copy. If you want to go and look at headstones and cemeteries and like that, I really highly recommend this one. It doesn't have... The story stories. This is very much a field guide. This will tell you what you're seeing, but it won't tell you all the little stories and the ditties that that right. are so delicious. Yeah. Learning about cemeteries and graveyards. This book is a beautiful go-to for the cemetery stories. And I was gonna say, look at all of my all of my <laughs> all of my go-to little tabs to read about things. This is also good to take in the field with you because it does have symbols, and this has the A to Z of the plants. And I'm telling you, I'm not lying. A to Z plants. Wow. There are tons of them. Look at letter G, letter H. They just start and they go and they go and they go and they go and and. Uh, this one is really good, but this also has the history of cemeteries, the history of graveyards. And it also will explain to you why you see the differences in the headstones from the past right. versus the headstones of today. Why the shape of a graveyard and a cemetery is different. Why they had to make the change. Um, all of these kind of things that you don't think are going to be interesting or you don't think you're going to want to read about. 
if you get into it, you're really going to find there's a lot to think about and a lot to learn. And it's, it's really fascinating and a great way to spend a, a sunny afternoon in a cemetery. So <laughs> says that the sequel to the book was written by his cousin, Joseph, but <laughs> part two. <laughs> By the same uh by the same uh uh they also published uh <laughs> Six Mouths to the uh Outhouse by Willie Makin. Illustrated <laughs> by Betty Wong. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I know you also uh recommended a YouTube channel, um Faces of the Forgotten. Faces of the Forgotten. And he's he's uh he's a veteran. Um, and he travels and he goes to cemeteries and he has people he does not want to do. He won't do any of the high profile headstones. He has people give him ideas for these little headstone stories. And he goes and he is wonderful at getting pictures of the people. And he loves looking. At, he finds a lot of pictures on the headstones because that was popular. Um, they would put little, little pictures and they've survived. Like some of them are way more than a hundred years old and they look so crisp and clear and he'll show you the pictures. And if he digs up a story, he'll put it on the side and you get to read the story of these people. And he makes these connections and he goes through all these and his, the way he walks, you feel like you are at that cemetery walking with him. And there's also it, a uh, website called uh, findagravestone.com in which yes. somebody will go out as a volunteer and take a picture of any uh, yep. gra uh, yep. gravestone you, you're looking for. And yep. they, they won't, uh, again, they won't do celebrity uh, graves or anything like that. It's yep. kind of a family yep. type yep. situation. Yep. Autumn actually did that. Um, we started uh, looking at a graveyard down on 245 down here. And uh, there was one headstone that said John Rose. And she just was so pulled to that. And she, so she actually did research and ended up going on and trying to find more information. She did find some information about him. He actually died pretty young, but I don't remember all the the things of his, um, you know, of his, his death or life even, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot, if you're willing to start looking out at places, you can find a lot of information of um, people that are buried you know, just about anywhere. Yes. And it's so interesting. Their stories are so much better than what you'll find at the theater half the time. Right. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, it's, it's a lot and it's interesting. And thank you for letting me share it with you. Oh, no thank you so much for joining us. This has been fun and, and educational. <laughs> so Hi. thank you. Thank you for everything. And, have a great evening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye from Lake Street, New York. Okay. Kim, uh, before we go, where can we find us? Well, you can find us on YouTube or Facebook Live, Twitch, and Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and hit the notifications so you know when we go live. If you want to listen to a replay, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. Yep. Um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. And if you listen on Apple or Spotify, we ask that you rate us. And how many stars do we like? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs>
five, four, three, two, one. One. Yes. You want we five stars? Five <laughs> golden rings. All growing first, three Frenchies. <laughs> I knew I'd get them going. I knew it. <laughs> yes. And we um, will take whatever you give us, but we do ask if you rate us, give a review also, and we'll read yep. reviews on air. Um, if you have anything you'd like to discuss or anything you'd want to share, or if you'd like to also be a guest on our show, you can always email us at info at skeptic psychic. Um, next week, we are going to have another guest. We're having a psychic come on um, and she's going to be doing predictions for 2023. So if you have anything that you want, you know, any predictions you'd like to hear, you know, send us a message and we'll make sure to ask. Where, but again, where do we find ourselves. Yes, you can find us at skepticpsychic.com. And you can go ahead and send us that uh, those questions at info at skepticpsychic.com. Yes. Or you can join us in our Facebook group, Skeptic Psychic, and hang out with some great people. Um, yep. And anything I forgot? No. Anything thank you for joining. <laughs> yes, thank you again for joining us this week. And, and thank you for uh, first time meeting you, Shelly. It was wonderful meeting you, Richard. Your yeah, name is yeah. Richard, if you didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It, it was interesting. It, it's yes. been fun, though. It's been yes. fun. Yes. All my nerves were for nothing. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's the way it always happens. I always, I still to this day get nervous before every show, but no. once you get in and get in the swing of things, it's. <sighs> well, you guys have awesome backgrounds and I'm like, I, I don't know how to do what they're doing. They've got a background and I'm not tech savvy enough for that, but I'm like, um, this will work. <laughs> you know, oh, yes, I love your background. <laughs> this picture uh, I took at the Salt Lake city, uh, cemetery uh oh. it's like yes. maybe 501 foothill drive mm -hmm. in downtown salt lake is that a mormon cemetery it's basic uh well mostly uh mormon but they also have other people you know uh buried there as well you know right is it a public cemetery or yes it is is it because uh, i was able to take these pictures well, you can get into, I mean, I mean, it's not like they're going to turn you away, but if you want to be buried there, that's a whole right, different yes. thing. The interesting uh, thing about Mormon headstones, if you see books on the headstones for Mormons, you'll see two books mm -hmm. and the one is the book of Mormon. And then the other is the Bible. Whereas right. uh, with the uh, Christian ones, you'll just, you, you'll see one, the Bible, but that's mm -hmm. one way you can kind of tell if you're looking at a Mormon headstone, it'll have the two books. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I know too much of this. <laughs> I need to get out more, I guess. Right. It's my it's poor husband. Me. He has to put up with it. <laughs> Yeah. All righty. Well, again, thank you for coming on here, Shelly. We appreciate it. And like I said, we uh, if anybody would like to be part of our uh, uh, our discussion, uh, you can always reach us at info at skepticpsychic.com, and we can uh, set up a, uh, and be able to talk to you about everything. Yes. It'll work. Yes. Thank yeah. you, Raymond, for telling me I did my thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
And and yes, Raymond in the chat. <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling yeah. better too. He had the yeah. same thing, you guys. He's not as far along as you are in getting better, but oh, he had the same, goodness. the same thing, the chest and the coughing and mm -hmm. all that. So yeah. well, I'm my boy for two weeks. <laughs> well, have a good night, everybody. Thank you, you too. Good night. Good night, good night honey. <laughs> And good night, everyone. We'll see you next week. Unpleasant nightmares. Sweet dreams. Sweet night. dreams are made of these. <laughs>